What if everything you're searching for is already inside of you? Hi, I'm Cassandra Goodman, and I believe that true power comes from staying connected to who we really are at our core. This is a podcast about what it means to stay true to ourselves and why authentic leadership is such tricky business. You'll hear inspiring real life stories from big hearted leaders. I hope these stories help you to remember that true power comes from within. Okay, so today I have the pleasure of speaking with Kelly King. Kelly is an amazing friend and mentor for me. Kelly and I met many years ago when we worked together at Bupa and we've stayed in contact for all these years. Today, Kelly runs the Women in Computing program at the University of Queensland and is also a trusted advisor and mentor for many women in technology, having been a woman pioneering uh, <laughs> leadership in technology for many years. So, so welcome along, Kelly, to the podcast. Thanks, Cassie. It's uh, lovely to be here and always good to have a, have a nice chat with you. <laughs> Thank you. Is there anything else that you think is important to mention in terms of your background, what you're passionate about? Well, definitely passionate about women in technology. You know, this has been uh, what I've been more involved in in the last few years since I decided to leave corporate, had enough of that, you know, really now putting my focus into the things that I'm passionate about and, and women in technology and advancing women in technology is really uh, where I've landed so I'm, I'm very happy about that after ha- spending a whole you know 35 years in the technology industry I feel like it's my time to give back and I still remember those conversations all those years ago at Bupa about some of the frustrations you sometimes had about technology innovation you were certainly my my memory of you in the corporate world is someone who was a real innovator a real catalyst for change and yeah, it's wonderful that you're now um, applying that thinking and that passion to the great work you're doing with the University of Queensland. Yeah, I think we can only you know, increase that level of diversity within the technology industry. If we don't, we're, we're going to have technology that doesn't represent the community, and that's a real challenge. And I think we you know, all should be trying to figure out how we get you know, more diversity, more people included in this industry. There's, It's a big industry and, and we need to make sure that it represents everybody. Absolutely. So you've been along the journey for me as I've written my two books and I know that you've read my latest book, Being True. We've had lots of conversations about what it means to be an authentic leader in business and all the things that make that tricky. And so, you know, the standard question I always begin the conversation with is, are you able to tell us about a time in your career and your life when you realised that you weren't being true to yourself? Yeah, I mean, definitely there's probably many times that I can draw on, but, you know, mainly in my career, I was working on big projects. So large um, corporate IT projects and, you know, I found with that came, you know, a high level of responsibility, especially as a leader. And with that also came timeline pressures, cost pressures, budget pressures, all sorts of uh, people pressures, 
you know, resources that didn't do what you wanted them to do. And, and, and that's where I found, like, there was a time where I was involved in a, in a big build of a large warehouse and distribution centre. It was fully automated. It, it was a bit like Walmart, if you think of it in terms of, you know, those big operational, lots of tech involved, um, tech that we'd never done before. And, and certainly, you know, there was times where I knew that, you know, just the worst version of me turned up at work because I just couldn't cope with the level of pressure um, that was being put on me to be able to deliver, you know, this uh, huge project in, in short periods of time. So how that plays out, you know, like I, I guess I was short-tempered, you know, I wasn't considerate, um, I didn't listen to people, you know, and, and in my brain, you know, driving for those results that were being put in front of us uh, was more important than, you know, managing the workforce that was trying to deliver it. So, you know, definitely Cranky Kelly would show up on many days and, and it was just awful. You feel awful. You know you're doing it, but, um, you know, it's just the way the way it was. I mean, I don't know whether that still happens in workforces. I'm sure it does today. Um, but I, I find that you know that pressure of time is definitely one that you know puts people under enormous pressure. Uh, and then you know the the worst of us comes out. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of the listeners can relate to that. I was just having a conversation yesterday with a senior executive in technology about this very reality that this context of these big budgets, high pressure, you know, so much depending on the technology going to plan. And when, of course, we're working with technology we haven't worked with before, there's so many unknowns, so many variables and the, and the low tolerance around that, around the executive and the board tables, it's incredibly pressurized. And I think it's a really common experience that in these areas of high pressure or in these moments of high pressure that we tend to show up in ways that don't really reflect who we are. And for you, like Cranky Kelly is that version of you that's not reflective of the warm, kind-hearted, gentle nature that, that you have, right? Yeah, definitely the the pressure cooker of I would always say I was in a pressure cooker working in IT you know that pressure cooker of time and people really not understanding what was involved so you know often meant spending long hours weekends you know and everyone just expecting on Monday morning they would come in and all their computers would work and everything would be fantastic and we used to laugh because you know as long as the computer turned on most people would be happy you know they had no concept of what went on in the background to make sure that you could turn your computer on on Monday morning so they're definitely working in that in that environment um you know it taught me a lot you know I'm, I'm good in a crisis you can rely on me, <laughs> you know, which is great. But, you know, as I say, often with that also came, you know, some of the worst parts of me would appear. And uh, and, and I guess for that, I'm not really that proud of when I look look back on it. But, you know, we, we all have parts of us that, have, that show up at times that we're not, we're not happy with, right? 
Absolutely. It's an adaptive response, right, to um, a difficult environment, a challenging environment, these really high levels of pressure and unrealistic expectations and lack of understanding of what it takes and how hard we've worked. I mean, we all show up in ways that don't reflect who we really are in those sorts of scenarios. And if you look back in that time, was there a moment when you realized, okay, I really drifted too far away from who I really am here? Do you recall a moment where you really kind of had a a moment where you're like, I'm paying a price for this to working in this environment and the price feels like it's getting too high? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I know when we were building that warehouse, the price didn't only get too high for me, the price got too high for my staff. And, and so, um, you know, we, we would be working, you know, 12, 13, 14 hour days to get this warehouse up and running. And people were, you know, they were delirious. You know, it's the best way I could describe it. I mean, people were just exhausted and just couldn't function and couldn't think clearly because we were just demanding so much of them. Um, and there definitely came a time where I realised that these people were leaving home in the morning. They didn't know when they would be home. They couldn't tell their, you know, wives or children, you know, I'll be home at this time. They didn't know when they were going to see them again. They didn't have, you know, standard hours for meals or anything. And I just said, that's it. We've had enough here. This is this is done. Um, so, yeah, I spoke to the sea levels and just said, we've got to change this. We can't go on, you know. Just calling it out for what it was, Cass, was so important, um, you know, and, and being brave enough to do that when, you know, you're already under pressure to deliver, but just calling it out and saying, no, enough's enough. We can't continue doing this. Mm. Yeah. Some tough conversations. Well, that would have taken enormous courage because so often when there's so much at stake and there's big investment and deadlines, it takes a huge amount of courage to say like the human cost of this program of work is is just not, it's too great <laughs> because yes. often the, it's those costs, as you say, those costs of um, employees not knowing when they're going to see their kids or their families and being exhausted, their costs, that's not, they're not accounted for in the budgeting spreadsheets, are they? No, no, definitely not. And, and, you know, I think my staff, you know, were grateful in the end that, you know, that I did that because it was just, we were all, you know, all exhausted. Everyone was exhausted. Like you can't just keep pushing like that and not um, not expect something's going to happen. Like it was an accident waiting to happen. Yeah. So, so there, there was that safety aspect of it that it was really important to me that before this accident happens, we need to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, that takes courage, and you know, we've all we've all been in corporates for a long time, and we've seen many projects transformation initiatives big big initiatives where no one ever makes that call no one ever stands up has the courage to stand up to the exec to the board and say the human cost of this deadline this scope of work is too great we need to either extend the budget bring in more people or extend the timelines and and take the pressure off here it's a rare thing to see that happen yeah and they've responded really quickly I told them, you know, because I wasn't in Australia at the time, and I told them, you know, like in Australia, um, 
you know, as leaders, we would all be, you know, sacked for this, you know, for allowing our workers to, to uh, risk their lives, you know, working 15, 16, 17 hour days. This is illegal in Australia, you know. You can't do this. This is, you know, this is a nightmare. Uh, and then they, you know, they did everything they could to make it better. So, you know, calling it out often has a, you know, really positive impact on people. Mm, good on people you. People were glad that I did that. Of course they were, you know. They they were happy. They could live their lives again. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fantastic. And And then as you look back on your career, like following that moment where, you you know dug deep you found your courage you realized you drifted off away from who you really were as your at your core as a leader you notice this crankiness the short temperedness that you knew wasn't congruent with your true nature you used your voice you spoke up you created you released the pressure valve so to speak on that project mm. so that and so what was a big learning from for you from that like how do you think you were changed as a leader as a result of that experience and and how did that impact the rest of your career, do you think? Yeah, um, I definitely knew at that time that I couldn't work for this company anymore, right? They just, their expectations were too great. I needed to find a way back to Australia. Um, I needed to find a company that was more you know, nurturing and inclusive of their people, not just of the work. Uh, so yeah, that's really what I what I did. I started to focus on how do I how do I find my way back to Australia and how do I find my way back to you know doing something that I I love to do and something that I'm you know is more congruent with who I am as a person. So you know, and, and that's when I sort of made my way back to Australia and took on a role at Booper and felt like that was that was a lot less pressurised than, you know, than what I've been under. So, um, you know, I, I think that when you can be a, a, a person who, you know, you can be courageous and all those things, but, I mean, you need to do it within the true value of who you are, not just because of a, you know, outburst or situation that you can't cope with, you know. <laughs> So, yeah, continued to still run big projects, but did it in a much more mindful way. Let's just say that. Mm. And I love I love that that there was like a long-term plan there because often the mistake we see so many executives make is that they they stay and they stay and they stay. They stay in these environments where the cost is great. They stay in these environments where they know that the pressure, whether it's the pressure, the leadership style or some aspect of the organisational context is bringing out the worst in them, not the best in them, and yet they stay and they stay and they stay. And in those situations, of course, often we can find ourselves in burnout, we can find ourselves in relationship breakdown territory, um, we can find ourselves in performance management territory because we've we've lost our cool at one too many person. Yes, and yes. then things take a downward spiral that that's out of our control. And so what I really love about what you just shared is that um you were able to see the situation for what it was. You knew that the way you were behaving was context driven. You exercised your agency and and took control and 
use your voice to try to uh, release a pressure valve and then you use that experience to get clearer on what was okay and what was not okay in terms of your workplace environments and made a plan to find work in, a, in an organizational context that was going to be way more likely to bring out the best in you rather than the worst in you. I mean, it's a very clear thinking, courageous, um, very um, kind of strategic way of thinking about it. Yeah, I think I was, you know, throughout my career when I look back, I always think I was very um, clear on the goals that I wanted to achieve and how I was going to achieve them. And if I was in an organisation that couldn't or didn't allow me to reach those goals, then I was quite happy to um, you know, move into a new environment. In fact, you know, only the other day someone said to me that you know, this new generation um, will only stay in a, in a job for three years and then they'll, they'll start moving. And I thought, oh, well, I, I don't think I stayed in a job for long, much longer than three years myself. And as it turns out, I had 13 jobs in my in my lifetime. Um, most of them I moved on every three or four years. Now, that could be the nature of technology. That could be true. But also I knew where I wanted to go and I definitely managed my career very closely. And when I wasn't getting where I wanted to go, you know, for whatever reason, you know, someone's stopping me, you know, moving up the ladder or whatever, I moved. I went and got another job until I could get to those positions. So I moved a lot to get to the top. Mm, yeah. And you, you've you always been a leader that, that that I would say really backs herself. Like you back yourself, you know, okay, if this context isn't the right one for me, given who I am and who I want to be as a leader, then I'm going to take my tool bag and go elsewhere. And I oh, think... Yeah. That yep. agency and the the confidence and agency you bring, not everyone has that, right? No. I have a bit of, like, people talk about their inner critic. I think I have an inner cheerleader, you know, who always sort of is on my shoulder telling me, you know, you can do it. I mean, I definitely you know, am a coach of sport in my spare time and I've been doing that for many, many years and I know that I bring that sort of, you know, of what, you know, you either win or you keep learning, you know, mm. <laughs> sort of philosophy to, to my life. And, um, you know, I'm always like, oh, well, come on, you can keep going, keep going, you know, <laughs> like that's that's sort of my inner voice. I know people talk about their inner critic. I, I don't really feel like I have a lot of that. I have more that, well, come on, let's go, you know, pick yourself up. Let's go. We're moving on to the next thing. <laughs> What's next? Yeah, I love that. I, I really get that sense as your friend that you have that and you offer that to others. You know, every time I've called you for career advice, I really get that very kind of that uh, that the perspective that's full of agency, full of choice, full of possibility, you know, very positive mindset. Okay, well, this is not working. And then, you know, what are the options to make it better here? What can what you what can you do here? And I think that's so important, right? Because the flip side of that for many executives I've I've known and work with the inner voice is more along the lines of you know if you to leave would be to show weakness to go to the executive and the board and say this is not working would be to show weakness slash incompetence that I'm not tough enough that I don't have you know what it takes 
you know, I've just got to dig deeper. I've got to try harder. I've got to, you know, lift the bar for my team. You know, that, that old, the alternative in a dialogue, which is really about bunkering down, trying harder, not asking for help, not showing any vulnerability or signs of weakness. This is the sort of inner voice or the, the parts of us that can really get us into strife. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think that, you know, definitely I think that there's been times where I've tried to buckle down and say, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try and work this one out. You know, and sometimes I have and sometimes I haven't, but sometimes it hasn't done me any any good to just sort of hunker down and think that I'm going to get through it. You know, often, you know, that, that would cause me um, more pain and more angst and more conflict in my relationships with other people. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, I always knew I was playing a political game. Um, and, and you could tell me you don't want to be involved in politics and I'll just tell you then you'll be walked all over because politics is part of what we do, especially in large corporate. And you need to, you know, manage your relationships very closely, um, stakeholders and people around you. Um, and, and I found that, you know, often those people were, you know, especially above me were men, especially in the tech industry. I was very much, you know, the single female that we talk about in tech, especially when I got to director level. And then, you know, you, you need to sort of figure out, you know, are you going to stay and fight these battles or are you going to, you're going to leave and find, you know, other ways to do, do your work. Um, you know, so leaving wasn't always my first choice. <laughs> Let me just say that, you know, I would often tough it out um, and maybe to my detriment, you know. Yeah, it's a fine balance, isn't it, between bringing this grit and this resilience versus knowing when to pull up stumps and say, "Hey, <laughs> this is a this place is really just not going to um, be conducive to my performance and well being and authenticity yeah. long term." And yeah. so it's kind of like boundary grit is what comes to mind that that we are resilient, strong women and and men, uh, and at a certain moment. Um, we need to, with our eyes wide open, ask the question, to what extent is this workplace environment, is this culture, are these politics, are these leaders really um, causing me to show up in ways that don't reflect who I really am? What is the cost of that for me? And what is the time frame I'm, I'm going to allow myself to remain in this environment before the cost becomes too high? Yeah. And, and I think having your eyes wide open to that all the time is really important you know yes understanding yes that's okay I can tolerate that or no that's not okay I need to call that out or you know I feel supportive or supported or I don't feel supported you know but being aware of that so that it doesn't become just a spiral into some sort of um you know depression or anxiety um it or overwhelmed burden or whatever you yeah. feel like it, it's so important to you know always make sure that you're maintaining your um peak performance and, and you know whatever that means that you're not falling off the scale one way or another mm. Yeah, I think that's so important, right? And often when I'm coaching leaders who are finding themselves in particularly challenging environments and they know 
that they're not showing up in ways that are congruent with who they really are, but for lots of reasons, they, they can't leave, they have to stay, then very similarly to what you've just shared, Kelly, my, my question is always at what cost, you know, how are you going to every evening at the end of every working week, ask yourself, what, what has been the cost for me mm. um, in all different dimensions of my life? What has been the cost of me working in this system and how much longer can I afford to pay this cost before it becomes too great? Um particularly with burnout, we know when we experience an episode of burnout, it can take us months and months and months to recover. So uh, I think maybe then the final question, Kelly, if there's people listening to this podcast thinking, oh gosh, I feel like the shouty version of me is running the show most days and I'm not really proud of who I'm being at work or at home, like what words of maybe advice or wisdom might you share to any listeners who are in that situation? Yeah, I mean, I think if you are in that situation, the the thing that I start to do is try and figure out, well, where's my next step, right? So, you know, often you can't plan the next three years or even 12 months when you're feeling like that. But the next step, I think, is really important. So, you know, is the next step going and calling a recruitment agency and start looking for another job? Is the next step, you know, calling mentors and coaches and getting people around you, you know, that will support you and help you to figure out what that next step is. Um, you know, I always you know, ha have a, a good swag of people around me that, you know, I could call on and ask for advice and, you know, all of them would be very honest with me. So having people in your corner um, that can help you either network or build something outside of this will often give you the impetus to feel happier and like feel like you're back in control of your life I I think that that moving forward is really uh, what I would always do like just take the next step what's the next step I need to do to get out of this situation and even if the next step is going and having a you know a drink with your mates or reconnecting with your family or doing those things that you haven't done for a long time, taking your wife out for dinner or something that's just going to bring you joy um, and then trying to figure out, well, what is my next step that needs to be uh, on the path to where I want to go? So that's mm. sort of what I think I would do. Mm. Yeah, I really love that. What's my next best step here? And I recently watched a, a Netflix documentary called Stutz and it's an interview with an American psychologist and as you're talking now, I was thinking about what Stutz advises his clients. And he says that no matter how lost we are, even if there's people listening who are really confused about, well, what is my next best step? What we can always do is feed or fuel our life force. And so mm. I love that you said maybe the next best step is having dinner with your spouse and, and mm. restoring those key relationships. So what if there's if there's people listening, they're like, well, I just don't know what my next best step is in terms of my career plan, then we can always do something to feed or fuel our vitality, our life force. And from that step, then perhaps we can access more clear thinking, more vitality, more courage, a greater sense of agency and hopefulness that then trust from there, the next best step will emerge. Yeah, and I mean, at the least, it will, it will lighten your load, you know? Right. It, it'll put a smile back on your face and you'll it, you'll make, make you realise that 
your life isn't about work. Right. <laughs> yeah. Light bulb moment. Light bulb moment, yes. <laughs> oh, life is more than work. Yes. 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 Oh. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. I really enjoyed our conversation. I know that there's a lot of people who are going to really resonate with what you shared. And just, you know, sometimes it's just about knowing that we're not alone in some of these challenges and struggles being the shouty version of ourselves and that there's always the next best step we can take and people we can talk to and honest conversations we can have about this tricky business of staying true to ourselves. So thank you so much for all that you shared. Oh, thanks, Cass. And, you know, I really loved working through being true. It took me some time, but I did learn a lot about myself when I read through the book so you know I highly recommend that to other people to try and figure out who you are and what you really want to be um you know I think being true definitely changed my perspective of myself even at my age (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much I really appreciate all your support and all your friendship over these many many years thanks to Boopa for introducing us we owe you one Thanks, Kelly. Okay, see you. Bye for now. By being true to our deepest selves, we liberate our highest potential and serve the greatest good. As the founder of the Center for Self-Fidelity, I am on a mission to help leaders feel more authentically empowered so we can co-create workspaces where people can thrive, perform, play and belong. Learn more at selffidelity.com.